Coaches, what's up? Welcome to Keep Your Pads Down, podcast for the men in the trenches. Today we're talking to Coach Robert Irwin, the D-line coach at Midlothian High School in Midlothian, Texas. Before coming to Midlothian, Coach Irwin coached at Vandergrift High School in Leander ISD and then at Duncanville High School in the DFW area. So he has been in some absolutely great places. Coach Irwin is going to talk to us today about how they are able to integrate both odd and even fronts into their defensive game plan and also why everyone is so in love with the four-eye technique. Plus, he's also going to tell us about how he went from beer and liquor and wine distributor in Houston to a football coach. And he might even share a little bit of his knowledge from his former profession as well. So lean in close because Coach Irwin's getting ready to drop some knowledge on you today. Coach Irwin, we're excited to have you on. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, where you went to school, things like that. All right. So um, I grew up in Cedar Park, Texas, just kind of northwest of Austin. Played, you know, I guess two years of varsity football there. Um, and then when I graduated, I got a ROTC scholarship to go to Texas A&M. Uh, I loved football, but I wasn't necessarily the greatest football player that ever lived. Uh, so the, the military sounded like a, a good opportunity for me. Went ahead and went to A&M, was in the Corps Cadets uh, in Company E2 uh, while I was there. And didn't end up actually commissioning, but graduated there for, uh, with a political science degree. Let me ask you about Cedar Park because, you know, you say Cedar Park now, uh, you know, those guys are powerhouse. I know they put us out um, you know, a couple years ago. They put us out four years in a row in the playoffs. They've won, won state championships. What was what was Cedar Park like when you were going through there? Yeah, so I was I was the third graduating class. Uh, our head coach was a guy, um, oh, it was uh, Mark Weaver. And uh, Coach Weaver was a was an interesting character and, and just kind of an old-school, hard-nosed coach. I mean, like, you know, grab your face mask and butt your head kind of kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and, and so we were, we were young. We had a, a, a really, really fantastic running back by the name of Quentin Smith who went on to play at Rice. Um, and so I guess my junior year, we ended up making the playoffs for the very first time. Uh, that was like, I think our second year in varsity play. And so that was a big, exciting deal. But then we, we immediately jumped up to, uh, I guess what was then called 5A. And, uh, and, and it was a much tougher sledding. Yeah. And I guess two years after, after my senior season, or I guess it was actually one year, my brother played the year after that under Mark Weaver and then they didn't do so well. And so then a guy named Chris Ross, uh, you might oh, yeah. know who he yep. is. Yeah. Chris, uh, came and took over the program, absolutely changed things around. You know, Joe Willis kept it running once Chris became the AD at, at Leander ISD. Uh, and then, you know, Carl Absex uh, is still there just doing a fantastic job. And, you know, I, I ran into several of the uh, former Timberwolf or uh, current Timberwolf players at the uh, UIL Wrestling State Tournament the other day. And and I couldn't help but tell them, you know, I'm a 03 graduate and I'm just proud of what you guys are doing down there, even though, uh, you know, if it came down to it, you know, as I coach at Midlothian, I'm, I'm going to root for my Midlow boys first and foremost. But right, it, right. it is good to see Cedar Park doing well. And, yeah. You know, anytime your alma mater is doing well, that, that is a good thing. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I have great respect for that program. And, and, and yeah, like you said, in the last decade, they have been one of the premier teams in the Austin area, uh, especially at the 5A level. 
and have really got things going. They were every year. It was uh, it was just uh, it was a grind preparing for those guys because they were so well coached, so disciplined. Uh, yes, great athletes, but but really well coached and and just the kind of teams that that didn't beat themselves. And so that's what was part of the reason that made them so tough playing those guys. Okay, so from Cedar Park, Texas A and M. So for a lot of us, you know, we 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 grow up want to be coaches we're drawing plays in our you know our junior high notebooks or things like that uh you took a little bit of different route and it's really interesting one uh started out with you being in the uh, wine and liquor and beer distribution business tell us how that got started yeah so um you know i guess the way it basically started is that you know since i was 10 i i knew that i was going to go be a lawyer you know president of the united states like i was I was that super type A guy and I loved football. I've loved football since I was a little kid, but, but I had, you know, bigger, bigger and better things that were going on. And, and so I thought in my life. And yeah. so, uh, I'm, I'm preparing all through uh, college to, to get on to law school. And about my senior year, I start taking my LSATs and things are moving along like they should. And then it just kind of dawns on me one day. I can't think of anything worse than doing another three years of school. That sounds miserable. Um, I just want to get out there. I want to start making some money. So, you know, the plan that I've had for my entire life since I was 10, I basically abandoned. And I, I don't really know what it is that I want to do. And, and one of my military science professors comes up and says, hey, Irwin, uh, I know you're you're looking. Uh, I've got a buddy that works for E&J Gallo Winery. He's going to be here interviewing people on campus. Do you think you would want to interview and I said, well, yeah, I mean, it's a winery. Like, I'm 22 years old, and I'm going to score all the women at that point, you know. <laughs> and uh, and so I go interview. I, I get the job, and I, I end up um, working for E&J Gallo Winery in their management development program in Houston. And I'm kind of – my job is basically to go around and go to different um, stores, sometimes convenience stores, sometimes liquor stores, sometimes – grocery stores and basically convince people to buy our products and, and hopefully in large quantities. And, um, it was an interesting job and you learn a whole lot about, you know, liquor, beer and wine. And, and it's, it is very much its own world. And it, um, I was enjoying it, but at the same time, I just, there was something that was kind of eating at me as, as not really being, um, totally fulfilling. And then hurricane Ike hit in, in 2008, and most of my territory in the inner loop in Houston was uh, to some degree flooded or power was shut off. So I left. I went and stayed with my parents for the week that, that Houston was kind of recovering there. And then finally the company calls us back. And I'm digging around in the back rooms of these Kroger's, you know, that have been without power for a week. The the oh, meat, yeah. the milk, yeah. the fish, all that stuff is just putrid at this point. And, uh, and you know, there's probably about a, an inch of, of filth on the floors of most of these places. And, and my entire net contribution to society at this point is keeping the city of Houston boozed to the hilt. And I'm like, <laughs> man, <laughs> there has got to be more to life than, than that. So I yeah. uh, started kind of searching, searching my heart a little bit as to what it is that I really wanted to do with my life and how could I make it a meaningful, purposeful existence. And, and what I went back to were some of the things that I loved that, that I loved that not other people loved about me or, 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 thought highly because I, I put that persona out there about, you know, being a lawyer or the president or whatever, uh, the things that I enjoyed and the things that I enjoyed most were football and, you know, history and politics and, and working with kids. And 
Uh, and I thought, well, there's really only one answer here. I'm going to, I'm going to go be a football coach because that's, of course, that's what I'm going to go do. And once that realization kind of hit, it's just, it's made perfect sense. I, you know, I've loved every minute I've been able to be coach. Um, you know, coach Drew Sanders at, at Vandergriff high school, just, you know, looked past uh, an, an interesting uh, background and basically yeah. said, I'm going to give you a shot. And he started me off at, at the middle school and, and I spent two years there. And, and then he finally moved me up uh, into the, the high school ranks. And I, I was coaching um, at Vandergriff for two years and then was able to get a, a, an interesting job at Duncanville for, for three years. And then that brought me to Midlothian. And, uh, you know, I tell you, it's, it's been a ride and I've been very blessed to be at some amazing places, uh, working with some amazing coaches. Uh, but I'm, I'm really happy here at Midlothian and, and enjoying life. Well, Coach, and, and again, yeah, here in those schools you just rattled off, those are some some outstanding programs. Uh, you know, Vandergrift, who's again uh, a rival of Cedar Parks, uh, a newer school, but but again, right up there, one of those top programs now, a six A school uh, in the Austin area. But um, and then of course Duncanville, and, and if anybody who watched the state championships this past December uh, will remember that 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 epic game between uh, Duncanville and Galena Park North Shore with the, uh, the Hail Mary to, for, for, you know, North Shore to win it at the end. Um, but just to, just, yeah, just some great schools. But before we get to, to the football stuff, I gotta, I gotta circle back uh, and, and really test your, your, your wine knowledge here specifically, because you know, there's some guys listening, they got a, an anniversary or their wife's birthday coming up. They want to try to look like they know what's going on. So here's the scenario. Okay. Uh, anniversary dinner. Okay. Okay. There's gonna be, let's say, red meat on the menu. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm. The the waiter comes up. I need to, I need to kind of look like I know, know what's going on here. What, what, what do I need to order? Well, you know, the the best adage that I can give anybody is drink what you like because there's, I mean, I've known too many people who will try to impress folks with their knowledge or their lack of knowledge. And, uh, and the, you end up having to suffer through drinking something that you don't actually enjoy. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, for one on new year's, I, I don't like champagne. I've, I've had some of the nicest champagnes in the entire world that you can possibly have. And we're talking bottles that would cost five and $600 a, a bottle. Um, and it doesn't make it any better. So I yeah. would say first and foremost, drink what you like. But if you are just dead set on picking um, a red wine, you know, find something that's not going to break the the bank. Um, you know, find something that's a, a nice, easy red blend. Uh, because if it, you're getting too varietal specific, you're kind of pigeonholing yourself. Uh, blends are easy to, to to go with, and that's that's probably where I would point most people. There you go, guys. Blends. That's the key. Yep. And that really is going to segue into what we're talking about later with with defense, because you guys like to blend your defense. And see, we didn't even plan that out. That just happened. yeah, that's totally that's unintentional. Just totally unintentional. But there it goes. That's what that's that's that just kind of happened. But uh, well, now let's jump into the football stuff. Let's talk about Midlothian. You guys, you know, you've been there for two years, and and y'all had a great year this past year. You're nine and three. Uh, going back from being you know just a few years ago, I think in 2016, being one and nine. To being nine yeah. and three and, and losing to a was it Frisco Reedy? Is who y'all lost to? Him? Yep, that's yeah. who we lost to. And a, a tough team who again I think they lost to Alito, right? They uh, did. Okay, so you know there, there was really uh, no no shame in, in losing to those guys. They were a top team in the DFW area and and really in the whole state. So what's been uh, what's been key to, to y'all turning things around over there at Midlothian? You know, I I think it was just a. a 
a matter of um, just kind of staying the course. Uh, one of the things that I admire about our head coach, Coach Wendell, uh, Doug Wendell, uh, he, he he had a he had a, a vision for this place, and that was one of the things that when I talked to him about coming on and being the D line coach, he talked about kind of his vision for the place and how he felt like we were just around the corner or just just right there about to turn the corner, and and that excitement and that that kind of long term vision is what I think ultimately is what has led to this. You know, he he runs a flex bone offense. He believes in that offense, um, and and he coaches. Every position, you know, all all over the place. He's working with every kid, trying to make sure that they're buying into the program. Um, and and I just I feel like that probably more than anything. But I also feel like when um, Coach Limley uh, joined the staff uh, at the same time I did. In fact, he was just he was hired just before I was. Uh, Coach Limley was the defensive coordinator at Cedar Hill, and and you know won a bunch of state championships with them. And uh, and I think bringing that bringing his mentality and his preparation and his intensity to the defensive side of the ball kind of started to, to gel things together. Um, so I, I, I think between, you know, coach Wendell kind of guiding the ship and, and having a, a long-term plan and having that long-term plan start to kind of come to fruition and then combine that with coach Limley and, and his intensity and, and what he wants to do on defense. I, I think that those two things together probably have done more than anything but you know we can sit here and talk X's and O's and all day, and but I'm I will t- be the first to tell you that at the end of the day, sometimes it's just the kids you've got, and yeah. and we are so excited about, um, I mean even to our eighth graders, we are we are just pumped about the eighth grade kids that we've got coming to join us this next year, you know our our last or this past year we only really lost like two or three seniors on the defense, and and they they were starters, but we had a lot of rotation if that yeah. makes sense yeah. oh, so yeah. we we have we have probably 12 kids on the defense coming back who were either starters or saw significant minutes um you know so we we expect to be better on defense we uh we have a bunch of young guys uh and really probably our best class is is our sophomores and juniors this past year and so yeah. we're getting almost all of them back and and not to disparage our seniors they were great and 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 to me, that group was was part of that. Coach Wendell saying, "Hang on, you know, if you stick around, there will be championships won here." You know, they were the ones that bought into that, and so the, that senior leadership this past year, uh, the the strength of our junior and senior class, and then the kids coming up behind them. I think there's just Midlothian is poised to to do great things in the next few years. Well, Coach, that's awesome. I think a key phrase you said at the very beginning of your answer was just stay in the course. And and especially in today's day and age or culture, that's a really difficult thing for people to buy into. It's not going to happen overnight. It hadn't happened overnight for y'all. And and but now that success has created obviously created a lot of excitement around your program, which is probably I'm I'm just guessing why you have so much buy-in from your from your middle school, and and now you got that excitement that's carried all the way down. To, to that level and that's when you can really get some things going when 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 that consistency and continuity is there on both levels um, oh, yeah. and high school so that's exciting bad news for the guys in your district and you are in a tough district so that's that's good <laughs> news for y'all so as a defense y'all based out of a four-man front but you have the capability of jumping in uh, three-man front or really showing multiple looks based on uh, your opponent that week and what they're going to do offensively uh, so what is it about an offense when you guys are watching film of that week's opponent? What is it about that offense that they do or whether it be personnel or things that they're running that, that 
that basically determines whether or not you're going to be uh, in, in a four-man front or a three-man front that week or if you're going to be a mixture of both? Yeah, so um, as we watch film you know, throughout the week and as we watch film particularly on, on uh, Friday night and after the games and, and usually into Saturday, um, some of the stuff that we're looking at is, is your tendencies, you know, your run-pass tendencies and, and where, where can we uh, find a, a matchup? or a mismatch, you know, just like offense is, is yeah. like, how, how can we adjust the formation to get a slot on a, a slow backer, a slow footed backer? Right. Or how can I run a, a pass concept to leverage uh, the, the middle linebacker? We're looking at the same stuff. And, and if I'm in my bare front or if I'm in a three man front, if I'm in a four man front, am I going to give myself an advantage um, based on personnel or am I going to give myself an advantage based on their play selection or their run pass tendencies? And so we're kind of running all of that through our heads. And I don't think that that's anything that anybody else doesn't already do. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're really looking heavily at, at trying to figure out which, which matchup personnel-wise is going to give us an advantage, which matchup um, between three-man and four-man front is going to give us an advantage based on your play selection and our ability to defeat that play um, based on our alignment. Yeah. So it's all about matchups, um, and and so as you are uh, watching film, that's what you're that's what you're using to determine. Here's what we're going to do this week. Now, I'm sure you know because there's probably a lot of programs, and you hear about this a lot, especially this off season. I've talked with coaches. In fact, um, talking with uh, the same Houston coach we had on the show a few weeks ago. Even even at the college level, they're talking about looking at ways that they can go from, um, you know, employ more three-man front, more odd scheme uh, into their four-two-five scheme. And so mm-hmm. when you're doing that, I'm sure one of the challenges is is terminology and, and keeping terminology the same and keeping those those yeah well keeping your terminology consistent. And so how do you got how are you guys able to do that to go from switch back and forth and keep your terminology and things like that the same? Yeah, that's that. I think that's that's the million dollar question. You know, is um, and anybody who can answer that is probably going to uh, make money. And uh, I think we've got a few people writing books <laughs> uh, right now. But I can tell you what we're looking at is trying to be very, very intentional with the words that we use, the signals that we call in. Uh, you know, I had a meeting with our defensive coordinator today, and and the entire meeting was simply about aligning our verbiage between our three and four man front stuff. Yeah. Uh, because there's going to be times where, where both of it's necessary, all of it's necessary in a game plan situation. And, and it doesn't matter how much we know as coaches, it matters what they know on the, in the, in the moment. And so yep. aligning your, your verbiage, um, just to kind of, uh, you know, give you a, kind of a, a brief look at, at some of the stuff that we were, we were talking about today, just trying to find a way to say, okay, whether we're in a three-man front or a four-man front, this particular stunt that we're running involves the entire D-line, whether it's the three-man D-line or the four-man D-line, right. all slanting one way. Yes. We need to use one word for that regardless of whatever we're in. Yeah. Uh, and so at that point, really what you're looking at is your three- and four-man front. The calls are the same. The packages are different. Yeah. And so – when I call for a speed rush package, uh, those kids go in and they all know the same verbiage. Yes. When I call for um, a, a run stopping package, they all know the same version uh, or the, the same verbiage. And so uh, 
it, it really it really takes a lot because people want to get creative with naming blitzes and they want to use alliteration to try to uh, or, or mnemonic devices rather to try to uh, get kids to remember things and those are great and very very helpful but if you're not being really intentional about the verbiage that you're using then I feel like you end up confusing kids and yeah. so our three man and four man stuff is is basically identical yeah. the only thing that's really going to change is who's on the field and because we package a lot of those things um, it's different people and so we're people know their fits the kids know their fits they know where they're supposed to be because that's where we practice them and that's how we we run plays out and is in the three man stuff in the four man stuff and it's repetition repetition for your fits and everything but the verbiage is consistent across the board yeah i think well, first of all, bonus points for using alliteration and mnemonic devices. So SAT <laughs> words coming through, Coach. So that, that's the Aggie education. That's right. That's right. You're making your administra- administration proud. Hopefully they, they get a chance to listen to this. Um, yeah, so I, again, yeah, terminology has to be consistent. Uh, if you're trying to use two different terminologies and you're using a different you, – you're trying to mix your, your, your defenses and again, it's just you're setting yourself up for chaos and, and indecision and indecisive players, and that is the last thing you want out of your defense is kids out there thinking and uh, playing passive and, and things like that. So I think you're exactly right. If, if, I'm, a, if, if I'm out there listening, I'm a defense coordinator, and I'm, I'm, we're odd, odd front, but we want to add, you know, some four-man front stuff and – uh, you gotta find a way to mold that terminology or merge those 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 terminologies to like, again to something that's already familiar to them. Uh, you know, and if I can just add to that, yeah, I would I would say an, another thing that that we try to do with our kids is that when when there's something that that we find that we've we've sat down, we've talked about it, we've looked at it, and we do find a conflict, we actually will will bring some of our leadership kids in on the defense and we will, we will have them tell us how to solve that conflict for them in their mind. Yeah. Um, so what, what's something that we can do to, to call this uh, a way that, that you guys are going to understand what that means. And so kids have some buy-in to it. Uh, they're part of the decision-making process when it's appropriate. That's not something everybody can do all the time, obviously, uh, but when it's appropriate and when it's going to help the kids make it make sense in their heads, we're going to include some of those kids on that decision-making process so that they have that buy-in so that they have that familiarity. Um, and I, I do think that that makes a bit of a difference for us. Yeah, of course, coach. And and again, that's that's a great uh, idea to to have those guys come and and give their input because then they're going to take ownership in it, and then you're going to get that buy-in instead of y'all going to them saying, "Hey, here's what we're doing. Learn this." Yeah. Uh, now it's something that they've they can put their stamp on uh, that they that they can take ownership in. So that's that's a great idea. Well, so let's talk about uh, because you know with us as D line guys. You know, we're, we're most of the time thinking, okay, how are we going to stop the run? And so how how do you coach up fits? Because we talked about terminology remaining consistent. How do you coach up fits? Because those can get a little sticky when you're going from a four-man front to an, to an odd front. And, and, and so how do you coach that up to make that consistent? Yeah, so um, with, with all my D-line guys, the very first thing we talk about is stance dictates preparedness. Um, so I, I spend probably a, a lot more time than I think most guys do. Um, even with the varsity guys, every spring we start off with 
uh, and really even like right now during this this time period before spring when we're outside doing uh, football stuff during the period, uh, we're starting off with some stance stuff because I do believe that stance dictates your preparedness. If you can get in a good stance and you're aligned the way that I've asked you to align, then to me you're you're indicating to me that you you have an idea of what we're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, and so the next kind of phase that we move into once I start feeling comfortable about that is we teach. Um, you know, if you've been on Twitter lately with D-Line, uh, somebody posted something really funny, and they 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 highlighted an outside shade, or, or I'm sorry, an inside shade of a guard. Yes. They've highlighted an inside shade of a tackle, and then uh, and they basically said, if you want to like start a fight amongst the D-Line yes, world, I saw that. Name yeah. name what these techniques are. Yes. <laughs> so yes. I don't want to get six into. Eye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, yeah. One of our coaches posted something about a six eye the other day. And I'm just like, nope, nope, yeah. nope. Yeah. But I, yeah. but I do understand that there are people who do that. So I don't want to get into the whole two eye, four eye, six eye kind of debate. But what I, what I will say is that for me, those techniques are important. I need to probably know that my kids sort of need to know it so that they uh, understand their alignment. But at the end of the day, when it comes to what they're physically doing on the field, uh, once that they are aligned in, in whatever it is you want to call that technique, uh, we believe in break, basically breaking it down into, into two techniques. There's an inside technique and an outside technique. And so what people traditionally call a three or people traditionally call it five, we categorize as an outside technique. And you're going to do the same thing whether you're a three or whether you're a five. Um, and so if, if you're in that five technique, your your eyes are on the, the knee of, of your offensive tackle looking through into the backfield and you're you're reading the steps of that guy. If you're a three technique, it's the exact same thing. You're looking through the knee of the guard yeah. into the backfield trying to see stuff. So, um, you know, my defensive ends in, in crunch situations or pass situations, I can swap out a tackle for a defensive end because he knows that if he's going in as a tackle, he knows he's going to be a three and he knows what how to play that technique because it's the same technique he plays as a five. Yeah. Um, and so that makes my kids, I think, more interchangeable. Yes. It's the same concept with, I don't know if you want to call it a one or if you want to call it a two-eye, whatever it is, but inside shade of the guard versus what I refer to as a four-eye, which is inside shade of the tackle. Same concept. It's we, we use what's called a Braille technique, and I totally stole that from a guy I coached with at, at Duncanville. Uh, his name's Daniel Penrod. He's at Skyline now. Uh, but Penrod used to talk about a Braille technique and that I would align you know, eye-to-eye, uh, my outside eye on his inside eye, I would step and feel, and, and when I say feel, we're, we're punching. Obviously, we're, we're teaching violent strikes all right, the time. Right. But you're feeling here, but your eyes are looking at, at the guard's knee on the inside yes. uh, of where your alignment yes. is. And so, you know, we're feeling here, but looking there, yep. uh, like a like a blind guy using using Braille, basically. Yeah. yeah. And so, it's a visual for the kids. Um, I don't know how politically correct it is, but it is a visual for the kids uh, and, and kind of helps them understand the, the concept of, of what it is that we're trying to teach. Yeah. Um, and so, again, none of what I've, I've talked about at this point is exclusive to three or four man fronts. You're exactly it, right. it should be universal. It should be uh, able to transition between one and the other. And so I think because what what helps us i'm not saying it's the cure-all but what helps us go back and forth between three men and four men and, and have success in doing that is that the kids aren't real wrapped up in oh we're a three-man front or over oh, a four-man front they understand that we're going to be multiple 
the way that offenses are going to throw lots of different formations at you. We're going to we're going to throw different formations at the offense. We're going to be multiple. They know that it's part of who we are. It's kind of part of our culture, and the way that I feel like we teach things makes we we try to make them as universal as possible. So we talked about having universal terminology. We're trying to have as as much as you can universal techniques now where where it, it will never be universal and probably the three and four men front guys will you know go to their graves arguing with me is uh, is fits will never be universal right. and and so at the end of the day fits are just something you have to practice and practice a lot out of <laughs> yeah yeah well i love what you said about and i hadn't thought about this before of just saying calling those guys outside techniques and inside techniques and and when you're when you're outside you're doing this when you're inside you're doing this and and instead of getting caught up in like you said in the you know wherever they're aligned uh because we do that too we you know we have guys who play defensive end sometimes but then sometimes they may play uh three tech they may get to play three tech and and so just for them to understand that it's really you're doing the same thing and it's you're you're just an outside an outside technique or an inside technique whatever that's a great a great point to make uh but yeah you're right those fits there's really no other way to do it except for to rep it and rep it and rep it, and there are some, there are some differences there that that and you have to work together. I know we do when we when we are going into a week where we're going to be mixing a lot, that we do a lot of group work with the D line and linebackers. Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot. There's a lot of film work together uh, because that's when it really becomes important for those guys to be on the same page, and there's got to be that trust level, you know, level of trust there, and and all of that. So. And so all that's got to be in place. But, Coach, like you said, you're able to do this stuff when, uh, just to recap what you said, that you have consistent terminology and you have consistent technique, uh, or universal te- uh, terminology or universal technique, however you want to put it. Well, let's, let's mm-hmm. talk about those techniques specifically um, because all of them you're going to use, all of them in, in, in both defensive fronts. Specifically, let's talk about you know a five-technique, uh, a four tech, which could be also, I'm sure, be the same thing for if you're playing a six, head up on a tight end, uh, or in a two, head up on a guard, uh, and then a four eye. Uh, so talk, talk to me about those three guys and, and what you're doing with, with those three. Okay. We'll start off with the five. The five technique for us, it, it, the five and the three, kind of, a, kind of like I mentioned a second ago, the five and the three are going to be almost the same. Uh, there is, is one small difference that if you are a, a five-technique, true five-tech defensive end, um, depending on a couple of different things, and I can't get too specific, but depending on a couple of different things, yeah. you you might be rubbing inside to the B-gap, yes. or you might be c- containing or keeping your C-gap. Yeah. And some of that just depends on the play that you're given. Some of that depends on the block that you're given. Some of that depends on, you know, the blitz or, or whatever, but um, generally speaking, if we're if we're kind of playing a basic stay call where that five technique is is truly responsible for C gap, whether we're in fifty four for our three man front or whether we're in in you know uh, thirty one with two fives uh, with our four man front stuff, if you are a, a five technique and you are playing C gap, um, your responsibility is going to be. Uh, for, well, first off, your your alignment is going to be uh, generally. I start with like the guy, like my guy's shoulder pad. The tip of his shoulder pad is going to align to the the uh, outside tip of the shoulder pad of the offensive tackle. Yes. So that's that's the alignment that we start with. 
it doesn't always go there. I mean, I, I do believe that you have to, to be a good enough coach to look at your kid and see what can your kid do and what can he accomplish. If you've got a little slower-footed kid, maybe you need, and you're seeing a heavy dose of zone to his side, maybe you need to widen him out so he doesn't get hooked and he can yep. see or he can maintain his gap. Um, if he's a, a faster, stronger kid, you might be able to um, – uh, uh, tighten them up a little bit, or uh, if if you're getting a heavy dose of down, 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 particularly with that that tackle that's getting up on the the Mike Backer, um, you might want to tighten them down so we can get hands on them. So you're going to play with that alignment based on what you're going to see, but base alignment going into spring, this is what we teach on you know day one of install. That five technique is going to be shoulder tip to shoulder tip, uh, so that he's got enough room to either pass rush. Or um, you know not get zoned. Yeah. Uh, so his his very first step. Uh, I I am one of those D line coaches that's probably a little bit crazy in that I, I do believe in uh, you know your your technique. So if I'm that five technique, my down hand is is on that um, that on that side. So like I'm going to put my if I'm the left defensive end and the five technique, I'm putting my right hand down. If I'm the the left defensive end, I'm putting or on the right defensive end, I'm putting my left hand down. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, well, like what we say is your man hand. Whatever hand yeah, is closest exactly. to your man, that's it. Yeah, we, okay. and, and uh, man hand, gap hand is, is yeah. the terminology yes. we typically will use. And so I, I believe that because I also believe that when I go back and watch film, I need to have a way to know that my guys understand what gap they're responsible yes. for. Yep. And if they've got their hands all switched and I don't have great film, sometimes it's a little bit of a jumble. And so for, for my own peace of mind, and again, I go back to stance dictates preparedness, yep. having the correct man hand down, having the correct gap hand up ready to strike indicates to me that you understand what gap you have, and that gives me confidence in you as a player. Yes. Um, so uh, that, that's, that's really basically it. I mean, with our, with our five technique, I want him to, to take that step um, – that's kind of a mirror step. He's going to step. I mean, if he's got his, his man hand down, he's going to step with that same foot. Yep. Uh, the angle of that step is going to depend on the block that he's seeing. If it's down, he's probably going to need to, to work down with that guy. If it's out, he's probably going to need to, to adjust and, and mirror that step as best as he can. Um, and that that's a hard thing for young kids to do. It just takes a ton of repetition, a ton of zone drills, you know, yeah. a ton of, of working down the line um, for down blocks, but uh, kids will eventually get to the point where they get pretty proficient at, at mirroring that first step, but they are stepping with the, the foot that is uh, the same side as yeah. the, the man hand. So, and, uh, so let, let me, let me ask you real quick. So that, so, so their first step is mirroring the step of the, the offensive lineman across from them. Correct. Okay. As best, as best as they can. I mean, it's yeah. never going to be perfect. You know, uh, but that's that's why we kind of play with the alignments. But like, if if my if my left defensive end uh, is looking at, at his offensive tackle and he's he's got his eyes through the knee into the backfield, like I've told him, he should be able to see um, that that right tackle's step out to try to get to zone. And so, if he's stepping right at where the right tackle is right now, and that guy is stepping wide. Now we're zoned. That's a problem. Yeah. So we need to be able to come off the ball, and we're, we're moving to strike this guy and just ever so slightly try to adjust the angle of our step so that we don't ever get overtaken, 
or that uh, one of the cardinal sins that you can do as a five technique in our defense is when you get a down block, if you create a ton of space, if there's yes. a big gap yep. between you and the butt of that offensive tackle, yep. you're about to get a heavy dose of coach Irwin on and you're not going to like it very much. Yeah. Um, we, we, the terminology we use is there should be zero blades of grass between your hand and his backside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that helps the kids can get a visual of, of how tight they need to be down the line when they receive that down block. And again, it, it comes back to working a ton of, of your indie needs to be what, what we used to call at, at Vandergriff, uh, the D-line coach Gary Zerno used to call it the business drill. And it was, you know, basically your base down reach, base down reach. Uh, and then we could add base down reach, uh, pull or pass. And so we're going we're gonna to mimic the blocks as often yeah. as possible yep. to try to drill these kids so that they see it. And, and when we get to upper-level kids who, who are understanding these concepts well, um, you know, especially like at Duncanville, I had a kid uh, who was playing defensive end for us, um, and, and he, he was, was good enough with just the basics that you could start to kind of pull up on film and say, hey, you see how this guy um, – you know, when he's going to go zone, he's going to take a, a kind of an awkward step here, and you can you can have them hone into some of those yeah. things so they can be ready. And that's I think most coaches do that. I don't think that's anything special to do, uh, but but just trying to give your kids whatever advantage you can, yeah. and and trying to even and if that kid if that that kid that you've been watching on film takes a weird step, you coach that JV kid uh, to t- try to take that weird step, yeah. and so so my kid can continue to hone in on those things. Yes. Um, that's tough to get out of JV kids. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Well, yeah, that's, that's we could probably have a whole episode about the, the frustrations of scout team and coaching, coaching up your scout team. But, uh, let's, let's, we won't jump down that rabbit hole. Um, but what, what about, so now let's move into, so we got a five, we got your five techniques. So how does it change when I'm, uh, in a four or again, if I'm a guy playing a six technique head up on the tight end, what am I? Uh, it sounds like probably, uh, is, are we using Braille technique there also? Even though I'm we, yeah. So that's, that, that's where all of our inside techniques are going to be Braille techniques. Okay. Um, and so when we're outside, we are attacking the near shoulder yep. and so that's that five and three when we are, when we are inside techniques. So that'd be your six, your four, eye, you know, your, your, uh, two eye or one or whatever you want to call it. Um, that's all going to be inside technique. That's all going to be Braille. And so, uh, again, I just, I want something that I, I used to, I, I used to coach secondary, um, when I was at, at Vandergriff, uh, Drew Sanders, the head coach there, uh, when, when I first started off, he said, Irwin, you know, if you want a job in this business, you need to coach O-line and you need to coach secondary and you need to know those things well. And, and so he decided he was going to start me off in the secondary, even though, uh, if you look at me, I've, I've got a body for radio for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't look like a, a typical secondary coach, but that's where I started. And one of the big things that I picked up, uh, learning to coach the secondary working with him was that I discipline is everything. Yes. Um, and, and I don't hear a lot of people preach that when they're going, like when you go to the college level, uh, you know, seminars and stuff, you don't hear a lot about eye discipline and that surprises me yeah. because 
I just, I guess I grew up in the coaching world hearing that that was so fundamental. Yep. And so one of the things I really preach to my kids is eye discipline. You yep. know, the very first thing that your eyes should be disciplined to see is the center's uh, hand touching the ball. And as soon as he does, we're saying, watch the ball, watch the ball. Every single person, whether we're three man or four man, every single person says, you know, uh, watch the ball, watch the ball. And if, if they don't do that, then I, in my drills, I'll get back up and I'll say, nope, not going to do it. And I'll put my hand back down and, and you do those things enough and, and suddenly it just becomes habit and they yeah. do it all the time. Uh, but well, then and, the, and the to, inter- discipl- to interject really quick, sorry, I'm, uh, oh yeah. It, to, this is sort of a shameless plug, I guess. I don't know, but but the this next next week's episode will actually uh, we have I have a guy coming on who's going to talk about pretty much the, his main topic is going to be eye discipline and how he coaches that up. And it's interesting that you bring that up because we were talking about that in preparation for our conversation about just the same thing you said about how little you hear you know mainstream people talk about eye discipline. But so many issues that we are trying to fix with our guys can be traced back to, you know, eye violations. And so that's oh, yeah. a great thing to hear you say. So I'm sorry, Coach, continue. Oh, yeah. Well, so so going back to the eye discipline, you know, the, it, it carries over into our Braille technique in that you may be lined up in that, that four technique or that six technique. Um, and, and your job is to step Again, with your man hand, you know, your gap hand should be up in, if you're in that four eye, that gap hand should be sitting in that B gap ready to strike. So you know that your man hand is going to go strike that uh, inside shoulder of the tackle or inside shoulder of the tight end uh, if you're in that six. And so you know that that's the case, but your eyes have to be uh, where your read key is. And, and your read key is the, the knee of the guard to the inside of you. Or if you're the six, it's the knee of the tackle to the inside of you. And so one of the things that I'm looking for when I'm grading film is, is that kid looking where he's supposed to? Yeah. Because if he, if he steps and strikes and just stays there and then suddenly that tackle is down blocking or that guard is down blocking and it takes us a hot minute to start closing that gap, that tells me right away, you were not looking where you were supposed to. You did not see your read key. You had bad eye discipline. And that's going to hurt you in our production chart. Um, and so, um, you know, we're, I, I, you know, Coach Suter is, is my other D-line coach. He kind of does the, the noses and, and tackles for me while I do a lot of the defensive ends. I, I do think we've been very, very good about being consistent about uh, eye discipline, having your eyes where they're supposed to be, watching your read key, and then we are going to teach you how to react to each of those read keys. Yeah. And, and like I said, with that inside technique, uh, whether it's the six or the four, whatever, you're brailing it, and you are stepping and punching and being violent, and don't let that guy release. Uh, one of the things that when, when people see that you're doing that, uh, a thing that you'll get pretty frequently is uh, team that will try to arc release outside of you, yeah. and they're hoping that you're going to step out there yes. with it. And, and once you know that that's going to happen or you've seen it or you've been in the game long enough to, to realize that that's what people are going to try to do to you, then you've got to continue to coach the, the next level of that rail technique, which is, you know, don't chase. Don't ever chase. You are taking a step. If it's not there, your eyes are already telling you where to go uh, and, and to maintain your gap and work down the line if you're getting a down block. And so we're not – we're not even looking, and, and there should be no reason for you to chase that person because you're going to step and there won't be anything there because your eyes are already inside. And so you're just going to continue to play football um, at that point. So, 
I don't know. That's like I said, we, we try to simplify it. We try to make it pretty, pretty simple for the kids by, by trying to categorize as best we can outside technique, inside technique. It doesn't matter if you're a three or a five. It doesn't matter if you're a four or six. It's the same things as far as we're concerned. Yeah. Well, well, let's, um, uh, you know, it, since we've started this, this podcast, I've had, I don't know, um, uh, uh, several people, several coaches say, Hey, can we talk about some, uh, some, some, some four eye stuff? And that seems to be a pretty hot topic, uh, especially if you're looking around on Twitter these days. And, um, again, uh, you know, we, I can't believe we've gone this long without saying, uh, who your DB's coach is because, um, you gotta just, I'm sure you gotta wake up every day and just pinch yourself. Uh, oh man, that it's you, fangirling at the office I'm sure, every day. I'm sure it, it, those guys, you know, we're talking about, we're talking about uh, Cody Alexander. He is the most, um, I don't know what we could say, uh, maybe quoted coach on Twitter or maybe retweeted football coach on Twitter. I don't know. I don't know if those are any. Yeah, I, I'm not even sure you're kidding there. Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure that that's accurate. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway. Uh, I know he has written a ton of stuff uh, about, you know, four eyes and, and, and really the, the benefit of playing with those guys. Tell me, you know, from your, your standpoint, what is so attractive about four eyes? I think you told me before in a discussion we've had earlier that, that that's your kid's favorite technique to play. So tell me what, what the attraction is uh, of a four eye. Yeah, so I can tell you with our kids, the reason that they love it so much is they feel like those inside techniques free them up. They love being in the two eye or the four eye uh, um, because there's there's not as much pass rush responsibilities. Uh, if they are pass rushing, they're defeating you know tackles and guards uh, from the inside movement. They can be violent. They can be physical. Um, you know when when you're in a wide five or a wide nine, and you're I mean now we're we're talking about going through a whole litany of different. Um, you know, pass rush moves and trying to beat. I mean, you, you go back and watch the Frisco Reedy game against us. I like to think I've got two pretty good bookend defensive ends, but it's pretty hard when you've got two Division One um, offensive tackles to beat those guys off the edge consistently. Yeah. And so having the ability to get inside, uh, to go ahead and immediately plug B gap, be part of you know messing up the exchange. Uh, I think in our in our our, our scrimmage, I guess we were playing against Naaman Forrest uh, for our scrimmage this year. Uh, one of my uh, defensive ends, he gets into his four eye. He blasts through um, the, the line, uh, actually takes the handoff from the quarterback oh, wow. and takes it the other way for a touchdown. Like, And that just kind of set the tone for uh, the D line this year, that and they that were spoiled him for life. He didn't want to play any other protect. Uh, he, any other that's position. exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. He's like, Coach, put me in a four. I can do it. I'm like, Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but they they just love it because they feel like they can be really physical. Um, the inside techniques they feel like are are, are simpler to play. Uh, the squeezing down and being violent, you know, collisioning pullers and stuff. They they like that, and I that's a credit to just having some some tough hard nosed kids who like yes. being physical like that. Um, you know, there are kids and there's nothing wrong with these kids, but it's just a different type of kid. There are kids who love to be speed rushers, finesse dudes off the edge. And if that's you, you're going to love playing a five or a wide nine. Uh, you may not like being that four technique as much. Uh, I've got bigger kids. I've got more um, kind of blue collar kids. And so they love 
being in 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 the trenches and yeah that's that's one of the things that the four eye i think gives as far as they're concerned now as far as i'm concerned um and i think if you've talked to cody alexander um or if you've if you've listened to like north texas or some of these other kind of three-man fronts the 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 du jour kind of uh scheme seems to be uh put your defensive ends into four eyes that way your your b gaps are taken care of right now yes and then your nose is playing what's called the lag technique now i'm a defensive guy and the word lag sounds lazy i don't like that so i don't ever use that um but the, the concept that like north texas talks about with this lag technique is that um if this this nose tackle is going to line up basically head up, and I think KD kind of does a similar type of deal where they're going to line up head up, and his job as a nose tackle is just to whip physically whip the center's butt. Yeah. And the center knows the snap count, and the center knows the direction. So if that nose tackle gets zoned, nobody on on the defensive side of the ball cares because he's just falling into the backside a gap. Yeah. And we are accounting for that to happen or potentially happen, and the linebackers are just going to fit to make it right. Yeah, um, and so that seems to be something that's that's really uh, kind of in vogue right now. That, yeah. that lag yep. technique with the nose. Yes, um, and and to accompany that to make sure that you're staying gap sound and to allow for um, the backers to be able to fit to make things correct. It is helpful to be in a four eye on both sides. Um, that way, you're only ever exchanging one gap yeah. between uh, right. the nose and, and the backers. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, basing out of a four-man front, the question every week is, um, you know, how are we going to move around our B-gap bubble, our weak side B-gap bubble, or how are we going to disguise that or move that around? Because you know that's where offenses are, are honing in on is attacking Absolutely. That. And so putting those guys in four eyes, uh, because so many spread teams, they don't really use the A-gaps much. There's just, you know, that's kind of a – that's sort of a gap that's kind of gone by the wayside a little bit in today's offense as far as utilizing that gap a whole lot. And so, um, you know, yeah, squeeze, taking those big gaps away right now and funneling everything outside of your playmakers is something that's, that's, that's what people want to do. And I think it's a great, uh, it's a great idea and and something that that it's really, there's a reason why a lot of, a lot of colleges and, and high schools around the country are going to it. Yeah. Well, so it, you talked about you know you're you're doing football drills uh, during the period now and and um, y'all do spring ball correct? We do. Yeah, okay. we'll start up here so, fairly soon. And, and now, you know, some of us you know have more individual time in practice than others. Uh, some of us get a lot. Some of us not so much. And I think if you were to ask most coaches, you know, they can never get enough individual time. Uh, oh, especially always, D-line coaches. Exactly, especially <laughs> as D-line coaches. You know, you talk about the business drill. Uh, that, that was with, with the Vandergrift, you could spend all of your individual time on that drill alone, almost, uh, and not get it. You know, got not get enough reps at it because it's so important. But if Absolutely. you have if you had ten minutes of indiv- individual a day, how would you spend that time with your guys? How are you breaking that up? What skills are you going to make sure that you're covering? Are we in pads or out of pads? That that makes let's, okay. Great point. Well, let's say we're in pads. So let's say it's spring ball or it's fall camp or okay. or even during the season. In general, what are some things you're doing? We're in pads. Absolutely. So for the very first five minutes, 
every single day uh, what Cody Alexander likes to refer to as his daily musts. We all have our, our own daily musts. And, and one of my daily musts is ball get off, because as you well know, as a D line coach, ball get off is life. Yes. And, and if you don't have great ball get off, it doesn't matter a hoot what else you can do. It doesn't matter what your uh, bench press or anything else is. If you don't have great ball get off, you're not going to be very good at this game. So we're going to do a lot of ball get off. Now I, I do like to think that our ball get off is a little bit different than a lot of folks. Um, first and foremost, I'm going to put you under the shoot every time for ball get off. We're never going to not have a shoot. Um, I'm going to have four agile one bags underneath that shoot. And we're going to have our four lines, or if we're doing a lot of three man stuff, I may do just the three lines yeah. uh, with, with the three agile one bags. So, so what we're doing with that uh, agile one bag is trying to create like a step over uh, a power step. Um, okay. And so, that add one bag uh, is just enough that they have to kind of exaggerate that. I know I don't want kids actually like cycling their legs as they come out of a stance uh, in a game situation, but if I'm exaggerating it in practice, then I'm going to approximate it in the game. Um, but I want a good six inch power step to get over that add one bag uh, as they, as they shoot their hands. And then th- this to me is probably one of the biggest keys um, in, in I'm, I don't know, probably, but uh, this is year nine for me, so I'm heading into year 10 of coaching, uh, going to colleges, going to other high schools and watching. One of the things that I see a lot of D-line coaches do that I kind of disagree with is that when we do ball get off, you are not sprinting five yards. Yeah. Because no point in the entire game do I ever want you sprinting upfield, you know, five or ten yep, yards. You're right. Um, you know, there's a time and a place for conditioning, and I'm going to get you – that conditioning, but your ball get off time is not the point. It has to be short and violent to the heel line of the offensive line. So when they fire out the shoot, I'm just outside of the shoot and I am representing the heel line. They will get just past me. Yeah. And my, my assistant coach Suter will point one direction or the other and yeah. the kids will, will play tag with each other. So once he points to the sideline, they haul butt to that sideline. And if you get tagged by the guy behind you, You've got five push-ups when you get back to the back of the line. Um, and so it's it's forcing kids, one, to compete with one another. It's forcing kids to focus on getting to their their appropriate depth without getting too far upfield. It's simulating the read and reaction of seeing where the ball's going and flowing as fast and as hard as you can to that football. And then we can also add other aspects uh, like he sometimes coach will kind of backpedal a little bit, what we call the 56 uh, step pass drop, uh, simulating screens, you know? Oh yeah. Um, and so we're able to, to do, you know, right hand, left hand, what we call a J step, which will, you know, just kind of a slant step kind of deal. Um, we'll, we'll go through about six or seven different, uh, repetitions as fast as humanly possible in five minutes, uh, with those kids firing off. Uh, you know, either J-stepping or, or firing straight ahead over that agile one bag and then read and react, get to there. So we're, we're kind of combining several drills in one to try to maximize um, the skill sets. But at the end of the day, it, was a, it, was, it wasn't just me coming up with this. This was me and Coach Suter and seeing things over a couple of years trying to put this together to try to make sure that every piece of what it is that we're doing with that drill – from the agile one back to being under the shoot to maintain low pad level to redirecting to try to we're trying to be intentional with every piece of the drill that's yeah that's and, and uh, what i what i like about that is you know we're talking about you know you only having 10 minutes well you're covering yeah. a lot of skills with that one drill 
you yep. know, um, where you know, you're getting your knee out of the ground by stepping over the bag, pad level, you know, covering pad level, covering a step, uh, getting to the heel line, changing direction, um, you know, reading a screen. So all those skills are things that, that you're sort of rolling into one drill, and that's, that's a way to be efficient. So, okay. Uh, so, so that's got, my first five, yeah, right? Yeah, I was say, that's, that's about five minutes. Uh, and, and so what are we doing the next five minutes? So then the next five minutes is going to go back to that. I mean, if, if I have if I have no other time, then I'm going back to my business drill. Yeah. And and depending on what we're doing, uh, or depending on the deficiencies I saw from film, either in practice the day before or the the film from um, the game on Friday, I'm I'm going to pick. You know, today we're working our our braille technique for my fours and my my. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to work our inside techniques essentially, yeah. or today we're going to work our outside techniques, or today we're going to um, work uh, taking out pullers. And so yeah. I'm going to pick either one to two aspects of that business drill of, of, of identifying blocks, block. So it's, it's, it's block recognition and it's block reaction. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's going to be my second five minutes. If that's all the time I've got, Yeah. you know, that, what? It's just too fundamental. <laughs> right, right. And and again, I think if you only went in, if you went into a game with only those skills, like that's all you did all week. You know that that's those that's those are some good things. You know that that yeah. you can be successful with just those skills. I think sometimes we get caught up, and I know I've been guilty of this. You know, you get on X and O Labs, you know, and 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 you you read through some stuff, or you 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 see some stuff on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. And you're like, man, that's cool. I want to try that out. And but I think we can sort of get carried away with drills sometimes. But real, if we boil it down to those things, like again, you can go into a game and feel good about what you're doing, doing those two drills all week. You know? Yeah. And if the, if your guys are good at those two things, then then you got a shot. You know, you got a shot at, at being successful. And and so I think that's a uh, thinking about it in that time frame of only having ten minutes, and you got to be as efficient as you can. You know, those are two great drills that 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 um again if i'm a coach that has a limited amount of time there you go right there uh if you if you go in a, a game carrying those two drills with you then, then you're gonna be in good shape well coaches we get ready to sort of wrap this thing up you know off season is a big time for coaches to uh to you know to improve uh themselves as a coach or as a person and and so are you what, what's one way you're looking to improve this off season is it reading a book going to a clinic uh what's one way you're looking to improve yeah, so um, I'm I'm pretty fortunate that our our head coach is is really good about making sure that we are developing not just great football players, but but I I feel like great men as well. Uh, and so one of the things that uh, he has our leadership council do with our, our kids is they, they read a book, and I think last year they did Chop Wood Carry Water, yep. which is essentially about if you've never read it, awesome book. It's essentially about uh, finding. Um, find just acceptance but even even i would say joy in otherwise very mundane tasks yes uh how you know that grind in august is really tough uh but but if you will find joy in that grind uh that that's gonna make you a better player well this kind of the sequel to that is pound the stone yeah uh and so i'm intending to, to get on that here pretty quick i hadn't started just yet but yeah i'm excited because it's the same author same kind of concepts and kind of a a continuation of, of the same thought process uh so that'll probably be my reading uh shameless plug for coach a uh coach alexander i'll probably be hitting his book uh on hybrids uh although he read a lot 
or a fair amount of it to me as he was uh, writing it. Uh, but I am interested to actually read his final product because he's got some great stuff in there. Um, you know, I always go to a couple different clinics and a couple different colleges. Uh, you know, during bowl season, we were able to go watch Army practice. We were able to go watch uh, North Texas practice. Uh, at some point, I wouldn't be surprised if we went up and saw SMU uh, because they're so close to where we are. Um, you know, that's one of the nice things about being in the DFW area. Yeah. A lot of colleges to right. kind of go look at. Uh, but I'll tell you, one of my favorite clinics uh, that I've ever been to and, and go to frequently is the San Angelo Clinic. And I love going out there and being around a whole bunch of other coaches who are just interested in talking ball. And I look forward to that. It's like a little mini retreat for me yeah. uh, every year. And I've got family that, that's out there, so it's nice to go out there and, and see them. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm always interested to see what they're going to do and what line speakers, what defensive speakers. And, and, you know, sometimes you get to see your favorite college coaches and sometimes you get to sit in on that dreaded offensive lecture, but it's good to go watch it because you got to know what your enemy's doing too. So, exactly. um, it, but that's, that's pretty much my, my look at it. Um, you know, one of the big takeaways that I had from last off season as I'm, I'm looking to improve and, you know, always looking to, to do something better, um, you know, somebody basically kind of spelled it out, and I forget exactly who it was, but it was at the Angelo Clinic, and it might have been Kobe Carthel now that I think about it. Um, no, it wasn't him. Never mind. But anyway, they were talking about um, how you how you use your time in individual and um, and how if, if you're teaching scheme during indie time, you've missed an opportunity, and that indie is for skill development, film time is for, for uh, correcting mistakes, and, and you need to be able to find time and build in time to talk scheme. And, and in today's day and age where I feel like kids are playing Fortnite all the time and doing things that aren't watching football, being around football, it's so important for us to educate our kids in the game. Yes. And that was probably the biggest takeaway from from last year and, and really made me sit down and think about how am I using my indie time? How am I using my uh, my minutes? Because we don't have the time colleges have. We don't have, right. have the time the NFL has with their guys. We have very limited time. So how am I using that? Uh, and am I being effective with that? And so I'm hoping I can kind of build on that this summer uh, and hitting those clinics and just trying to, to look at, you know, okay, so now that I've delineated my time a little bit better, how can I hone in on some, some skill development or some drill development, knowing that we have a few deficiencies on our defensive line and how can I get those kids to be better at those things? Um, so that's, that's pretty well my focus for the summer. Yeah. Well, coach, that's all great stuff. And, and, and I, you know, of course, I think it's important for all of us to do some, some, uh, self-reflection sort of self-scouting of our practices and what we're doing. It's really easy just to slide into the next season doing the same thing you've been doing over and over and over. And so I think it's always uh, key to, to just really reevaluate what are you doing and how are you saying and how can we tweak things here and there, not not wholesale changing things, but just how can I take what I've already been doing and, and tweak it and make it better. And it sounds like that's what you are doing. So, well, Coach, you got a lot of great things going on. It sounds like it at Midlothian and, and, and uh, a lot of reason for optimism. And so I want to wish you good luck and thank you so much for coming on. And, and you know, now we let the cat out of the bag about your knowledge of the spirits. So I'm sure guys are going to be hitting you up at coaching school and in San Angelo to, uh, to help them out and, and maybe test that knowledge maybe in a little bit more in-depth ways. So um, hopefully they let you 
you know, sit in on some lectures or, or you know, while you're there. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, Coach, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much to Coach Irwin for coming on and talking D-line play with us today. Make sure you follow Coach Irwin on Twitter, at Irwin Coach. Our quote of the day is, when nothing seems to help, I go and look at a stone cutter hammering away at his rock perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it was split in two. And I know it was not that blow that did it, but all that had gone before. Coaches, keep pounding the stone. And until next week, keep your pads down.